Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. There's a little energy in the room this morning. Do you feel it? Feisty. Feisty. Yeah, a little feistiness. Yeah, it's good. Birthday cake. Yeah, a little sugar in the system. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Well, it's good to be back. Um, I was gone last week. I was in Chicago at a conference. Um, appreciate Dave filling in for me. Uh, talked about the silence, God, God coming to us in silence. This summer we've been talking about God and images and metaphors for God in Scripture. Uh, we began with some familiar ones. Um, God as Father, God as Friend. Uh, last time I was here, we, we talked a little bit about God as food, which was sounds weird when you say it at first. Um, but we talked about Jesus saying in, uh, in John, you know, Jesus, some of his famous as I am sayings, uh, talking about I am the bread of life, right? And uh, today we're going to sort of pick up the other side of that, still thinking about uh, food a little bit, um, because Jesus also, uh, in the 15th chapter of John, talks about himself. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, or the vine keeper. So, um, I don't know when you think about the images of God that uh, nourish your daily life if God is vine dresser just pops into your head. Um, I'm not sure that it does for me a lot. But I thought we might linger on that image today a little bit and see what, uh, you know, one of the things we've said during this whole series is um, God is beyond uh, our language, beyond our words, beyond our imagination, and yet God has condescended to be brought to speech, uh, even using very earthy images and metaphors. And that somehow those images and metaphors reveal something important about who God is, and that no one single image or metaphor captures all um, that we want to say about God. So talking about God as a vine dresser doesn't say everything that we want to say about God, but it might say something similar to or uh, complementary to some of the things we've already said about God when we've uh, lingered on the images of God as a parent, as a father, uh, God as a friend, uh, Jesus as the bread of life, and today, um, Jesus as the vine, uh, we are the branches, as we'll remember, and that God is the vine dresser. I mean, what's Jesus trying to communicate in that, and what, how might that help us as we reflect on our life with God? So if you want to turn to John chapter 15, that's where we'll, we'll be devoting most of our time. The opening verses of John 15, we'll also take a side glance at Isaiah 5 at some point. So if you want to look up things, um, we'll get to that uh, directly. Because this image of the vine, uh, Jesus didn't sort of create it out of a whole cloth. Um, 
Israel, one of the most prominent images of Israel, the people of God, in the Old Testament is as a vine. Don't know if you knew that or not. Um, but it comes up over and over again uh, in the prophets. Uh, it's in Hosea, it's in Ezekiel, it's, it's in um, Jeremiah. It's, it's, it's almost everywhere in the prophets that the, the image that God uses is Israel is a vine. In fact, um, 50 years or so, 40, 50 years after Jesus died, um, when Israel was rebelling against the Roman Empire, that rebellion, that revolt didn't last very long. Most people who rebelled against Rome didn't last very long. It lasted a couple years. Uh, but during that couple years that Israel re revolted against the Roman Empire, when they were casting their own coins, what was on the coin was a vine. Okay? So their, their, their own self-identity, when they thought of themselves, they thought of themselves as God's vine. And this is something that resonates through the, the Old Testament. So let me read you a passage. Let's start with the Isaiah 5 passage. Uh, they're talking about the vine a lot. This is maybe the most arresting of the passages uh, because you hear this tenderness in God's voice about the vine, but there's also this judgment uh, that because the vine hasn't produced what God had desired it produced, that God's going to abandon the vine and let it be trampled upon. Okay, it's, it's this, again, this, this combination of deep intimacy of God's vine and also God's judgment upon us. This is Isaiah 5. It's the opening verses. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? Right? What, what more could I have done? Right? What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done for it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I tell you what I will do for my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, its protective hedge around it, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. So there's this ancient tradition of Israel being God's vine, God's vineyard. And there's both intimacy and potential judgment there. 
right? If, if they're not bearing the fruit that God called it to bear, because from the very beginning, as you recall, God chooses Israel not for its own sake, but that it might bear witness to the true God for all the nations. It's always difficult to remember that, and maybe that's a word for the church today. God has not called us for our own sake, but to bear fruit to the glory of God and for the glory of God's kingdom. So when Jesus, in his last I am saying in the Gospel of John, in chapter 15, you recall this is his discourse uh, the night before he's crucified, uh, when he's giving the disciples his, their last instructions, this is his last I am saying, and it begins in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been pruned by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them will bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a, like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. I am the true vine. That, that must have been a little shocking, right, to Jesus' audiences, audience. I mean, Jewish people who thought of themselves as God's vineyard. Jesus says, I'm the, I'm the genuine vine. I'm the real deal. Right? Uh, I, I'm the vine. Uh, I'm, I'm the one. I mean, that's, that's a, it's a really shit for us. I mean, I don't know, maybe you've thought of yourself as a vine before, or a vineyard. I, I don't think I grew up thinking myself as a vineyard. It just never occurred to me. So when Jesus comes along and says, I'm the true vine, it just doesn't sort of hit me, maybe in the way that it likely hit them, that somehow he was making a claim that in his very person, Jesus was fulfilling Israel's central mission. Right? That God's long desire to bless all the nations of the world through the people of Israel was now coming to fruition, if you will, uh, in Jesus. Okay? In Jesus. I am the true vine. And the father is the vine dresser, the vine grower. That would have resonated with them. I mean, they knew that God 
cared for the vine. Now, I'm not a vine dresser, a vine grower, but we have vine growers, vine dressers in the room. Wallace. Any besides Wallace grow grapes, make their own wine? No, 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 no it's just grapes. <laughs> I, I speak from experience that Wallace makes some good wine. Amen. Yeah. That's the first time I've got an amen in here in a long time. <laughs> I just didn't know the right thing to say. Um, but even though I, I know next to nothing about tending vines, I mean, cultivating vines, what I do know is it's pretty high maintenance. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, you don't just stick a plant and then just let it go. I mean, it takes meticulous care if it's going to bear grapes, right? Um, and, that, and that's an act of care and nurture. That's the thing to be clear about. I mean, vines don't bear good grapes, and certainly not a plentiful harvest, unless they are meticulously cared for. Um, and that's, that's what Jesus says, what God is. God is meticulously caring for this vine, and we are the branches. We are the branches. So, so Jesus isn't just completely superseding Israel and saying, you know, uh, you used to be the vineyard, now I am. Thanks for trying. Um, no, Jesus says, you are still God's vineyard, but you are, you are branches on this vine, which is me. And that, that's where life is going to be coming from by being connected to this vine. So that's what he says. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. Now, pruning is an important part, but a tricky part, I'm assuming. I mean, it's got to be done. Um, some of you have fruit, how many of you have fruit trees at your house? Nobody. Okay, a couple, couple. We've all got the low maintenance trees. Uh, fruit trees take a lot of work if you actually want them to bear fruit, right? Uh, it's the same principle as the vine, right? Um, if you don't prune a fruit tree or you don't prune a vine, uh, all the sap, all the energy goes to just making more branches and beautiful leaves, but that's it. Um, I don't know if you ever noticed, I'm sure you have noticed this. I'm not sure I noticed it. Uh, yeah, I don't think I had. I'm thinking, I'm old enough to have noticed this before. Um, but all those gigantic trees that are beautiful, have enormous branches and leaves, they're not fruit trees. Fruit trees are pretty humble little plants. I mean, 
small trees, often hunched over, right? Um, and low to the ground, hence you can get the fruit. I mean, who wants fruit growing 500 feet in the air? Of course, they're not going to bear fruit because all the energy from that tree just keeps the tree going. But the point of pruning is to push the energy, the sap, from the vine or the tree into the fruit production. Otherwise, you just have a really lovely shade tree, not a fruit tree. Or you just got a lot of spindly vines and no grapes. You might have leaves, those are lovely. But nobody wants, well, most people don't want just grape leaves. I mean, you want grapes. Right? You want good grapes. You want a lot of grapes. You want it to be productive. But to do that, you have to be what appears at one level to be a little, what looks like ruthless. Right? I mean, you have to be pruning away anything that looks like it's taking life away from the vine and not going to be producing fruit. And Jesus is saying, this vine that I am, that you are the branches, that we are called to bear fruit. And the one, those that are not bearing fruit are either supported or removed, depending on the case. And even the ones that are bearing fruit, this is instructive, are pruned. I've, I've always hated that part. I mean, every time, even, now this part I have thought about for a long time, thought, that seems so harsh. I'm bearing fruit, like leave me alone. Right? And I understand why you're cutting the dead wood out. But I'm not dead wood. I'm bearing some fruit. But Jesus said, even that's what bears good fruit is still pruned to bear more good fruit. And he goes on to say that my word, okay, the word, my word has pruned you, right, or cleansed you, pruned you. This is part of the pruning action of God. Um, there are lots of things in my life um, that I give my energy to. Um, maybe you are the same way. Um, the older I get, the less energy I have, and the more incumbent it is upon me to decide what I want to give myself to. And I sure, I'm sure you find yourself in the same position. Um, there's something sobering about, uh, there's lots of things sobering about getting older. Um, I'm not telling you anything. Um, one of the things that's sobering about getting older, I'm finding, is the recognition that I can't do everything. And what do I want to give myself to? Um, one of the things I usually do when I come back, I usually make this conference trip to Chicago every summer, and one of the things I do on the way back or on the way up is usually visit the cemetery where my parents are buried in central Indiana, and I did that on the way back this time. And there's, you know, there's just something sobering about that. Um, but, but it's an important kind of thing, right? I mean, it's an important kind of thing. Um, because there's lots of things I can give myself to, and on plenty of days I do give myself to, that when I look back on it later, I think, you know, I'm not... Like we all said, I wish I'd had that time back. You know, I, I wish, I'm not sure I 
wished I gave myself to that. Um, I'm not sure that was really yielding good fruit. I'm not sure that was part of, I'm not sure much is going to come from that. That's good fruit. Maybe some wild grapes. I'm not sure that's good either, right? Um, and this is not to say that every single second of your life. Um, but all of us know, I mean, all of us are old enough in here to know that um, our time is limited and we, we give ourselves to some things rather than others. And the question is, how do we sort through that? And Jesus is saying, you know, my word is one of the ways that God, the vine dresser, prunes us. You know, one of the, one of the reasons we, we gather each week and place ourselves before the word in worship is, is to hear God's pruning word. It's not the only word that God gives us. God gives us words of comfort, uh, words of uh, encouragement, but they're also pruning words, right? There's also pruning words that, that catch my attention and convict me to want to be more fruitful with my limited energies, right? And so there are some choices that I make that can be involved in the pruning. Sometimes God prunes without asking, right? Um, so it's not just that I'm cooperating with the pruning. Sometimes things happen to us that sort of stop us in our tracks and make us think about what our life is about, right? It can be uh, a hardship, it can be a loss, it can be an illness. Um, I'm not suggesting that God brings those things to us to prune us. I'm simply saying God can use those things to prune us, right? A good vine dresser uses what's available uh, for the good work. And sometimes the, the most radical pruning in my life has happened not when I thought everything was going well, but when things were going not at all the way I would choose to have them go. But looking back on it, I can confess that there were times and things were being pruned out of my life. Um, and, and I'm not sure they would have been pruned had I just been going along merrily. That's, that's a hard word. Um, and if, if all God cared about was my happiness, then I might be more upset by that. But Jesus is really clear here um, and scripture is very clear that God is glorified by our bearing fruit. God is not necessarily glorified by me being a spindly vine with lots of leaves. Um, and it's also one way I mean, all metaphors have their limits, but I think there are ways that they can, they can help us, our imagination. Um, coming here to Sunday school, coming here to worship, reading our Bible, praying, all the kind of classic Christian disciplines, those themselves are not bearing fruit. 
Those are leaves. Now, leaves are important, right? If you go strip all your leaves off your vines, they're going to die. Okay? So, so leaves are vital, but they aren't the goal, right? God didn't give me life so I could go to church, go to Sunday school, read my Bible, as if those were an end in themselves. Those are designed to bear fruit in our lives. But they don't necessarily. They might just bear more leaves. Do you see the point? I mean, so these things that we do are not unimportant. Don't hear me say that. Okay? They are important, but they aren't their own end. They aren't their purpose is to make us fruitful. So one of the questions we have to keep asking ourselves and each other as part of this one vine is, are we being fruitful? Uh, are we being fruitful? And Jesus seems to suggest that this fruit is primarily of two, two kinds, but they're connected, as you would expect. The, the primary fruit, both the fruit of the Spirit and Jesus here in John, is, is the love of God that flows through this vine that is life-giving. And Jesus says, apart from this vine, you can do nothing. Not a thing. Now there's a sobering thought. Um, most days I'm not sure I actually believe that. At least in my head, but not. In, I mean, I wake up every morning. I think I can do lots of things, right? Um, but nothing of substance, really. <laughs> nothing that bears good fruit. You have to be connected to this vine, this this life-giving love, this God's relentless pursuit of our good and our well-being that flows through this vine that flows flows through Jesus to the branches. That's to bear that same fruit. Jesus says you, you'll know them by their fruit. And this vine is a vine that bears under the best of conditions, under God's careful nurturing, an abundant harvest of God's love, not my love. I, I, can't, I can't bring God's love to fruitfulness. I can't do it on my own. haven't been asked to. But am I willing to be a branch through which God's love flows through me into good fruit? I hope the answer is yes to that. I hope your answer to the yes is that. Um, that's, what, that's what God desires. And that good fruit, when it bears fruit, it glorifies God. It reflects God's character. It bears witness to God's character, God's identity in the world. That's part of our witness in the world. It's not just what we say, but the fruit that God bears in our life by our remaining connected to this vine and allowing God's love to flow through us. Through us. Our response to that love flowing to us, through us, is, is obedience. That's our response. Uh, Jesus is pretty clear here. But it's interesting because it's not a, new, it's not a different thing. Because Jesus says, you know, 
a new command that I've given you. This is what you're supposed to obey, that you love one another. Right? So it's interesting that this love is both the kind of um, response. That's what God is. It's a gift. We've talked about this so often in here. It's, first of all, a gift to us and through us. But then it's something that we seek by God's grace, the work of the Spirit, to live into um, in joyful obedience. It's not a burden. Um, it's just part of what we are as, as the vine, is to, to love and obey. Um, Jesus thought that the world would know that he was who he said he was because his disciples would have this uncharacteristic love for each other. Right? A, a love that the world had not seen, that bears witness to the kind of love that God has for the world. So that, that's who we're called to be. But to do that, we have to be connected to the vine, because apart from the vine, we can do nothing. We have to be willing to be pruned. Right? I need to have things excised from my life that all things being equal don't really lead to fruit bearing. And that doesn't mean they're evil things. They could be good things. They probably are good things. That's the hard part. You, have, you don't just cut off the dead wood. You have to cut off some really potentially good things for fruit bearing to take place. That's the hard thing. Right? I have a hard enough time getting rid of, the, rid of the, the lousy stuff in my life. It's even harder to think about what it would mean to let go of good things in my life in order for God to make me more fruitful, make us more fruitful. And that's an interesting question for a congregation to ask. Right? Um, are there things that, you know, what, what does it mean to prune? How might God prune a congregation? Now, I'm not talking about, like, which people you'd like God to prune and just remove, right? I guess it'd be a lot better place if we got rid of Hank, you know, and, and Betty. Um, you know, maybe God will prune them. That's not what I'm talking about, right? Um, but a place like Muncie Church, we, we expend a lot of energy doing a lot of things. A lot of it's good and fruit-bearing. I have no doubt about that. No doubt about that at all. Thanks be to God for that. But every congregation probably also has to ask hard questions about this. And, and it has to be a communal thing. It can't be one person deciding this. But you know, what do we give our energy to, and does it bear fruit? This particular fruit that God wants to bear. Um, and we hope the answer is yes. Um, so this, this, this kind of metaphor goes in all different kinds of directions and challenges us. Um, but we don't want to just be spindly branches. Um, you know, I think it's been observed that the wood, I mean, a, a vine is wood. It's woody. But it's not good for very much. Okay. You're not going to build a table, most of you, out of great vines. 
Right? I mean, the, 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 the wood's just not very much. And Jesus suggests it's not, it's not really worth much. Right? You can start a little fire with it, but that's about it. Um, because that was made for. Right? It's not, uh, vines aren't made for lumber, they're made for fruit. And that's, God calls us to be, be fruitful. And one of the last thing I want to close on is one thing I saw in this passage that I really hadn't thought of before, I'm not sure why, but it occurred to me that in Jesus calling himself the vine, uh, that he was willing, we're talking about God's condescension, he was willing to be part of us and maybe undergoing his own pruning. Have you ever thought about Jesus being pruned? But, it, but by most measures, his already fruitful life was cut short. And by his willingness to do that, he was more fruitful than he would have been. So this pruning business isn't even something that God's asking us to go through while being oblivious to what that might be like. I think Jesus might have known what careful pruning might have been. And, you know, and he had a point in the garden where he's asking, like, is this pruning necessary? And if it's not, can we, can we just do this another way? And yet he willingly undergoes that pruning and, and we're here as a result. We are part of the good fruit made possible by Jesus' willingness to be pruned. So as painful as pruning is, we, we follow one who is not unacquainted with that pruning. So that, that should be encouraging to us, right? This is not something that God is just asking us to, to have done to us, uh, apart from his understanding. Bread and wine. Um, that's the centerpiece of our table. And Jesus says, I am, I am the, the bread of life, and I am the vine. And he also, at the table, says, you know, my blood. It's, this, this vine is spilled out. Right? This blood is spilled out for you. And maybe that's our call, too. Um, I don't know if you know. Once in a while at communion in the sanctuary service, Doug has a sing during communion, uh, a relatively new song that you may or may not be familiar with uh, that's called Let Us Be Bread. Right? So it's not just that Jesus is living bread in the life-giving vine, wine, but in some ways we are called to be that, too. Uh, and the words go, let us be bread, broken and shared, life for the world, life for the world, now I'm blank, uh, let us be bread, broken, blessed by the Lord, broken and shared, life for the world, let us be wine, love freely poured. Let us be one in the, the Lord. So the sense that God is calling us to also be bread and wine, life-giving vine for the world uh, by our participation 
in what God is doing as bread of life and the vine. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for tending this vine, for allowing us to be branches. We pray that you would continue to nurture those connections. We pray for the courage to be pruned and to recognize our pruning when it happens to us to trust you, to trust your love and care for us, that this is for our good and for our fruitfulness. Give us eyes to see that. Help us to give eyes to help each other see it. Most of all, we desire to give you glory. And so we pray that we might be fruitful. Uh, we realize that apart from you, we can do nothing. And so may you continue to bring a harvest of your love through us to your glory, and for your kingdom. We pray through Christ.